Well, hello, YouTube Power Hour Squad. Erica here with another information-packed episode of the podcast. I'm your host, Erica, and if you are new to the YouTube Power Hour podcast, welcome. This is a place if you have a YouTube channel, if you're looking to start a YouTube channel, if you're looking to grow your YouTube channel, if you just want to be part of a community and hear about YouTube, this is a spot. And for my returners, thank you for continuing to come week after week. So with this episode of the podcast, I love being able to bring my students from the bootcamp and highlight them here on the podcast and show kind of some of the really cool things that they're doing. And I wanted to bring Megan Acuna, the guest for today on because she is actually a graphic designer and YouTuber that specializes in graphic design for influencers. And she has so much amazing information when it comes to branding your YouTube channel. So this episode is just jam-packed with information about those branding elements, you know, like the colors and the fonts and the logos and things like that. So we get into the nitty gritty of that. She also has a really cool free guide that she put together for you guys. So if you are on my list, you'll get a link to that guide. Also, it'll be in the show notes as well. Definitely make sure you pick up that guide that Megan put together for you guys that is really, really nice. That just kind of has a lot of really cool, helpful information when it comes to just branding, not just your YouTube channel, but also as an influencer. It's just so important to have that professional branding element. So let me give you a little bit of information about Megan, and then we're going to dive right into the interview. So Megan Acuna is a graphic designer and YouTuber based in Southern California. She specializes in graphic design for influencers and offers services such as branding and logo design, banner design, end screen design, and thumbnail design. Affordability has always been important to her, so most recently she has launched a new product called the DIY YouTube Branding Bundle, which includes tools such as sizing templates as well as over 2,000 unique beautiful and royalty-free branding elements such as backgrounds, social icons, local elements, and more. When she is not designing, she can be found watching Parks and Rec with her husband, Matt, thrift shopping, and making YouTube videos about living beautifully and ethically on a budget on her YouTube channel. So like I said before, this is really, this interview is really special to me because Megan uh, was and is a boot camper. So she's gone through the program and being a YouTuber herself and having this professional background in graphic design, she has a really keen and unique understanding of what really works on YouTube from a branding perspective. I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode, out of the freebie that she put together. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Mwah. Well, hello, Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Erica. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, I am so happy to have you. I'm always thrilled to have someone I've worked with, somebody whose business I fully support, and someone who's gone through the boot camp. It's always great uh, to feature one of you guys on feature you guys on the podcast. Oh, it's such an amazing community. I'm so happy that I have been a part of it. Yeah, it's been it's been awesome. So, okay, um, you know, as everybody knows, you are a graphic designer and you've decided to kind of, you know, niche down and focus on influencers and YouTubers and all that. So why don't you take us back to share a little bit about you, who you are and how you got into graphic designing and then specifically graphic designing for influencers? Okay. So um, my name is Megan Acuna. Obviously, I am a graphic designer for YouTubers. And the way that that came about um, is on my first like corporate big girls job out of college, um, I was working as a social media manager. Um, and the designs that they were getting for all of their product like advertisements um, were not the best in the world. And they were being like really overcharged for them. And I've known the Adobe programs for as long as I can remember. Like sometimes people ask me, you know, when, when did you learn illustrator or InDesign? And I actually cannot remember cause I've been using them for so long. It had to have been when I was like 10. Um, and so I said, you know, just 
give me Adobe, like I'll start working on them. Um, and then, you know, you guys can save some money. I'll get to do some design work. And so through that, um, I had a bunch of different companies that worked with the company that I was with, uh, reach out and ask if I did any freelance work. And so I started to pick up little projects here and there. Um, but when I started my own YouTube channel, um, I have a YouTube channel as well about affordable and ethical lifestyle. Um, and I noticed once I got involved in that space that there wasn't really a graphic designer available specifically for YouTubers who is really in tune with what influencers need. Um, and especially at an, an, at an affordable price point. Um, so I started doing some work with some influences, influencers here and there, just basically through your Facebook group and through people who would come up to me at different like blogging and YouTube events that I went to. Um, and I am actually able to do this full time now from home, which is super awesome. So that's kind of how I got started. I think that's so cool. And I love the fact that you are not only, you know, very skilled as a graphic designer and you have a lot of experience, but also you're very tuned in to what influence influencers need by, you know, you yourself, you know, having a YouTube channel, but also you know, you went through the whole boot camp. And so you know, I mean, you know, not just from like a a design standpoint, but also from a marketing standpoint too, what's really important, you know, when it comes to graphics, uh, and branding for, um, you know, an influencer. Yeah, it's really, it's really different than corporate, especially as somebody whose background was in social media. And, you know, I've worked with, um, several big influencers now. And so, you know, through that experience, I've kind of learned corporate is very cut and dry. And that was not something that I was passionate about. Um, and if I had to design something one more time that was like navy blue with like white bold text, I was going to go insane. <laughs> so it's really nice to be able to connect with influencers who are so passionate about what they're doing and really have their own unique um, spin on the world and are providing so much value to their audience. It's just so much more variety. And I just love that as a designer. Yeah, I, it's it is cool to work with influencers. You're right, because it's like they're they're just so passionate about their mission and what they're doing. It's, it's very cool. So it's a whole different point. Yeah, I can imagine. All right. So I know that you have kind of a list because I really want to get into just really actionable things that people can do uh, when it comes to branding. I mean, I get so many questions about the branding and graphics and, you know, your your channel banner and, you know, different components to your videos that should have graphics and fonts and colors and all that. And so that's not my expertise, you know, and so that's why I brought you on and you are, I love your work and, you know, for people point of reference, you know, not only was making the bootcamp, but, um, after getting to know her and seeing her work and seeing you do some of the work for some of the bootcampers or their, um, banners and a bunch of other stuff, I was like, well, you know, I need a new logo for the bootcamp. Let's have Megan do it. So you came on, you did the logo, you've done some work for me and I love your work. So, uh, you know, it's, you're just very good at what you do. And so let's get into kind of some of the nitty gritty. I mean, like I said, I get a lot of questions. Uh, we can go into the questions later that, uh, were posted in the Facebook group, but I know you have kind of just a, I'd say influencer 101 list of, you know, the five, um, you know, five things that, uh, that influencers should pay attention to when it comes to their branding. Yeah. Um, so I feel like when a lot of my clients come to me at first, um, they don't really know where to start. Um, and a lot of small influencers kind of want to be able to start themselves and kind of get an idea of what they want their branding to be before they invest in working with a professional. Um, and so I did want to share the exercise that I give them, um, kind of just to start out our relationship and figure out where their brand is going. Um, as well as a few other tips, um, that I have just about graphic design for influencers in general. But starting with that exercise, I always have everybody start by creating a mood board. Um, and you'll hear these called different names, you know, mood board, vision board. Um, but basically, you either want to pull out an old magazine that you don't mind cutting up or go on Pinterest. Or if you have any kind of like a display in your house, a gallery wall that like is really important to you, um, start picking out images that speak to you. Don't get super specific about like, colors or fonts and don't make it have anything to do with your niche, with your YouTube channel. Um, I try to have people stay away from like the posts of other influencers. I mean, obviously Instagram posts are fine, but like, like marketing posts specifically. Um, so you want to gather a collection of about 20 of those images without censoring yourself at all. They don't have to match. They don't have to be cohesive, but when you're done kind of take a step back 
and look at them and start picking out some like textures and colors. And those are kind of where you start the basic building blocks of your brand. Um, so would you say that, say, so, you know, someone's on, I think a lot of people with Pinterest, it's like a really great, you know, an easy way to do it. But yeah, you can probably take snapshots and things like that. But say you are on Pinterest or on Instagram or whatever, and you're looking at photos. Is it really, you're just kind of like picking ones that you're drawn to basically? Yes. Something that you feel really connected to just on a a level where you look at it and you think that looks like me, that Mm -hmm. looks like how I want people to feel when they watch my videos and not Mm -hmm. necessarily very specific. Like I'm doing a makeup channel. So here's a picture of makeup brushes. It could be somebody laying on the beach with a towel and you really like the color of the towel and the Mm -hmm. way the sky looks just something that really speaks like sparks creativity in you and you don't exactly know why. Yeah. I remember you had me do that when you started working on my logo and I was like, oh, okay. It was kind of fun. <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, this is pretty. Is this fun. is pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not something I think I would have done on my own, you know, cause you feel like, okay, you know, what font, what font am I going to have? And you know, what are my colors? But I think, I, and I'm a big fan of doing this too. Like, you know, taking a step back and kind of looking at the big picture of like, what are you just like intuitively, what are you drawn towards? Yeah. I always ask people like, what do you want your brand to feel like? And I think before you start getting into the the nitty gritty of fonts and specific colors, you need to have that vision of, of how you want it to feel. And from there you can start picking out things that are more specific. But when you have that, that guiding document, that guiding like mood board, then you can check all of your future branding against that to see if it's kind of in the same vein, because you know, you see a lot of people that have crazy random font and color usage. And Mm -hmm. obviously you want to make your graphics, especially thumbnails for YouTube, very eye catching, Mm -hmm. but you also want them to be really true to who you are as a person and the value that you're bringing to your audience. So, uh, would you, okay. So what would be then the, uh, next step after, um, so you would, that would be your mood board, basically all those photos, or would you do anything from there? You can kind of, um, like once you start picking out the specific colors and textures and, and pieces of your branding that are important, like when I did mine originally for my brand, I kept noticing pictures of plants. Mm -hmm. So like those plants actually became like an element of my branding. So you can kind of fine tune it. And if there are pictures here and there that you want to add that you feel are, you know, you just come across randomly and they, they seem to fit really well with that brand or conversely, if there are things that don't really speak to you anymore, you can always keep editing that, but you just want to make sure that you have, um, something that is going to help guide your, your vision for your brand and make it a little bit more cohesive. What if you already have say like a general idea, like on your channel, like a few colors you already use, or you played around and created your own banner and you have just this idea, should you kind of try and refine that? Or would you just say, start all over as if you're starting brand new? If you have something that really speaks to you already, I think maybe it's it's more important to fine tune it rather than completely starting over, which actually is a perfect segue into the, the second tip that I have, okay. <laughs> um, which is to be unique. So if you already have existing branding, you want to look at that branding and compare it to all the other influencers in your niche and influencers that you want to be like, and make sure that it's not too similar because I cannot tell you how many times people have come to me with, um, like banners and graphics and logos, and they all look exactly the same. It's usually, you know, the same shade of like blush pink. Everybody uses the playlist script font from Canva. That's what you got mad at me for. You were like, <laughs> I, I gave I it to you. I didn't get mad. I didn't get <laughs> no, mad. You didn't get mad. You didn't get mad. But you're like, um, yeah, let's not use this. I'm like, why? It's pretty. She's like, well, everybody else uses it and we could do something different and unique. And it, you're like, it's a beautiful font, but it's way overused. And it's good because you have that eye. I, I don't. I'm just like, oh, well, this is nice, you know? And so, yeah, I think that's so true about being unique. And especially when you are dealing with free resources, like the fonts on Canva, you have to be mindful that those are very, very commonly used because they're available to everybody. And they obviously, you don't have to deal with any kind of an extended commercial license for those. So a lot of people use them just because it's easy and they do have some beautiful fonts, but especially if you're using Pinterest to market or you're a YouTuber and your thumbnails are coming up, you know, stacked on top of and underneath a million other thumbnails. If they look exactly the same as, as somebody else's, they're not going to catch that person's eye. Um, so you want to create something that's really unique that stands out. That's still true to you instead of just basing it on what you are seeing work for other people. Okay. So I don't know if you talk about this in your later points at all, but are you like, if you 
Are you going to talk about fonts in a later point? Maybe we can, because I have questions about that. Yeah, we absolutely can. What questions do you have? So, you know, if you are, because here's the thing is I, I feel like this is kind of like this whole loop, like you're on places like Pinterest or online. And like, I feel like the people on there use a lot of the fonts that are on Canva or, or whatever. And so it's kind of like, how do you find things that are unique or, or fonts that are unique? How would you, how would you, how would you go about kind of finding that? Yeah, so there are a lot of really great resources online um, for fonts and design in general um, that are really affordable and or free. A lot of people don't know that in Canva, you can actually upload your own font as a .ttf file, I think is what they ask for. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can still use those easy online design programs, but upload your own font so you can you know get a little bit more customized and niche with your branding. Um, but as far as actually finding the fonts themselves, I love Creative Market. Um, it's uh, a website basically where a lot of graphic designers will upload um, like packages of design elements or they'll create fonts or like mock-ups if you have a product where it'll be, you know, a photo of an essential oil bottle, but you can actually go in and change what's on the label. Um, and Creative Market has a feature where every Monday they put out six free goods of the week. So if you're like really on a budget, you can get some really pretty fonts on there for free that aren't, um, that aren't always free. It it revolves every week. And so that makes them a little bit more unique because even like a $20 investment, a lot of people aren't willing to make. Mm -hmm. So if you're getting something of that value for free, or if you want to just go on something like creative market and search, um, for a font and pay that little bit of money that just really sets you apart because it's different. Um, and then also uh, dafont.com, it's D-A-F-O-N-T.com, mm-hmm. is a really great resource for fonts. Um, the only thing I'll say about that is you do have to be careful with licensing. Mm-hmm. Um, when you find a font you like, they have thousands and thousands. Um, you do have to check in the upper right-hand corner of where the font is featured, and it'll tell you um, like how it's available to be used and modified, whether you can use it commercially. Um, and I would just say that's actually another one of the things that I wrote down to share with everybody is just make sure you're really up and up on your license information. Mm-hmm. Um, because obviously you don't want to be taking work from somebody else and, and exploiting it. And you don't want to get into any kind of lawsuit trouble if you choose to monetize or if you want to sell products down the line um, and kind of scale your business and use some of that same branding. You just want to make sure from the get-go that you're you're really solid with that. Yeah, no, definitely. And most, I'd say, you know, creative marketplaces like that are pretty clear when you're purchasing something that, okay, Very this is fair. for license. So I don't think it's something to like, like, be anxious or worried about, but I would say if you're going to purchase something, just make sure you read it to see. Yeah. Just read it. (laughs) Mm -hmm, Yeah. But I think that's actually really good advice. I never really thought about that, but like from a thumbnail perspective, because one of the things that I always, you know, teach is that, you know, when it comes to thumbnails, you really do want to stand out, right? You want, and there's many ways to stand out, you know, fonts, text is one of them, but I think that's really true because a lot of people, you know, you know, bold, bold fonts and bold text is, is really, you know, where it's at on YouTube. But a lot of people pick the exact same bold fonts like on PicMonkey and Canva to mm-hmm. be in, in YouTube. And then the, it does end up over time, you know, kind of just look, a lot of it looks the same. Yeah. And one, one tip that I have with fonts is, um, you should always be choosing a pairing of two fonts instead mm-hmm. of just one. Um, especially if you have something that's like a script font or, um, something that's really thin or a little bit more difficult to read. You want to pair that with a font that's bolder and really easy to read. So when you're mm-hmm. making things like thumbnails, um, and graphics, uh, you can use that font in addition to, you know, your nice, pretty font so that it gets, it's really easy to have it stand out and just, constantly remember that functional and readable is always more important than pretty. Mm-hmm. Especially. Yes. But <laughs> especially with thumbnails. I mean, thumbnails, that's just the, the ultimate. It has to be readable. That's the, because they're so small because it's so tiny. And so yeah. people forget that about the thumbnails. They'll put a bunch of text and it's like, oh, you, you can't read it. So I think that's really cool. That So you said, so you think, you know, as part of a branding package per se of, you know, what somebody has two fonts. Yes. Two, two, sometimes three. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would definitely say at a minimum two and make sure one of them is really like cut and dry and nice to read. 
Okay. And then the other one could be a more of like a cursive or more of like a little bit artistic type of a font. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because you can have the most beautiful thumbnail in the entire world and it can have text on it and it can look great when you Mm -hmm. are working on it and it's full size on your computer screen. But every time you design a thumbnail, you should be shrinking it down to about 30% and seeing if you can still read it because it can be the prettiest thing in the world. And if it's not readable, unfortunately, nobody's going to click on it. Yeah. Nobody's going to care. And so... I, you know, I think that's something for people to consider for, for you guys listening is, you know, if you want to, if you're really serious about your branding, you know, consider investing in a font and they're usually not that expensive that I've seen them yeah. for 10 bucks or 20 bucks. Some of them I've seen for 40 or 50 bucks, but you know, um, you know, consider investing in like your, your brand, like this is your font. And there's something kind of cool about that, that, um, that's, you know, that's your font and, um, and having that kind of be part of your, your signature branding. So Yeah. And if you are mm -hmm. investing, you have the unique advantage too, of being able to buy like a pack of, of two fonts. If you're, if you're not quite sure how to pair fonts, um, you can get a pack of, you know, a designer who has created these two fonts to work together. And it's usually like $20 and it does all the hard work for you. Oh, and that's in the creative market. Yes. Mm, That's really, so if you, if you're in there poking around, you can, um, you can, you see a font that you like more than likely they've paired it with, with another font. Yeah, very often they'll sell them in packs. Mm, okay, that's very cool. So, and we'll have the the links and all this stuff in in the show notes for this, so you guys can uh, refer refer back to it. And I also like the tip too, of because I know a lot of you guys use Canva, that you can. There is a, I think you do have to pay for that feature, um, which I do, and I think it's actually a really important feature. But I think you might have to pay for the ability to upload your own customized font. Um, but you do have that ability to do that. I don't actually think you do have to, to just to upload a font to Canva. There are a lot of paid features, but mm-hmm. I personally have never used the paid version of Canva. So are you able to do that? Something quick and dirty. Yeah, you can upload it through okay. there if I'm okay. remembering correctly. Okay, well, then I stand corrected then. So then if that's the case, then that's really, really cool. Because um, Canva is you know free, and I know a lot of people use it. And you know if you want to kind of get your own signature font, that's cool that you can just upload it. And there it is. You can you know make your thumbnails or whatever uh, in Canva. All right, so that was number... Two, four. four. Oh, that was number four. four. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what's the... Uh, they all kind of bleed into each other. Yeah, yeah. So what's the next tip? Um. So the last one is to use color psychology to your advantage. This is a huge one. Um. There's a reason that similar brands often have similarly colored logos. Like if you look at social media networks, very blue. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of food places are green and brown. Um, and you start to look into the psychology of that a little bit. And it's because certain colors spark certain like primal reactions in people. So for example, if you're doing a restaurant and your logo is green or brown, that makes people hungry. Um, and so you want to use this to your advantage um, when you're coming up with your brand um, and choosing your colors, because you can really create a mood and almost like lead people to lead people to the water of what your brand is about just in the colors that you use. Um, so for example, um, red passion, energy, action. Um, if you wanted to use green, that's very like balance oriented and, and growth. Um, pink is very feminine, uh, love nurturing. Um, so just really look into the different color psychology, um, things that you can do and make sure that that's aligning with what your brand is. Because if you have a brand that's all about personal development and your colors are, you know, black and black and purple, like those could be pretty colors and you could be creating a really strong brand with that, but you're sending the message of mystery and creativity instead of the message of maybe like love and nurturing and like balance that you would want to be sending. That's very, that's very cool. I I like that. So where could people find some information about say color psychology and you know, what, what some colors mean uh, versus other colors? There are a lot of really great um, resources for that on the internet. If you want to go into a really deep dive, but I've actually created a a branding guide um, that is just free on my website. If you sign up for my email list and I do have a whole page that goes into color psychology and kind of breaks it down. So if anybody is interested in that, um, you can check out my website, which is just meganacuna.com. And that's available on there as well. 
Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That sounds like a really, that sounds really, really cool. Um, so yeah, definitely you guys listening, just download that and you'll get the, in, the answers there. So, okay. As far as, as colors, so how many colors then should you choose as part of your branding? So you should have two to three, what I like to call core colors. And those are the colors that are going to show up in pretty much every piece of marketing that you do. Um, they're going to be the ones that are like, you're, they should show up in the background colors of where you film. Um, they should be on all of your thumbnails, in your logo. And then you also want to pick like two-ish, two to three um, complementary colors that are neutral and um, can provide contrast to those. Mm -hmm. um, so for example, if you were creating a brand and you were like doing some cool tones, so you've got some blues and some greens, you would also maybe want to include like a cream and like a, a taupe color so that you can have something neutral to lay your text over to make it more readable. Mm. So I'd say altogether probably about five colors. Okay. Oh, so you would you would pick like like almost like a suite of colors. So you said they'd be more bold, like two or three more bold colors. And yeah, then your core ones. Your, you, so you call them your core ones. Yeah, they don't because they don't have to be bold like as okay. far as like bright and like really striking. They could be neutral tones, um, but they're just the ones that are going to show up in your branding over and over and over again. And those mm -hmm. are the ones that people think of when they think of, you know, branded colors. It's usually like two. Got it. And then you said you could do two or three complementary colors to that. Yes. And so how would you go about like picking that? If you're like a total newbie, you know? Like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you, like I said, you want to look at what's going to contrast with your core colors. Mm -hmm. So if your core colors are very like bright and bold, you'd probably want to put like a, a very light shade in your complementary colors, like such as a white or a very light gray, because those bright, bold colors are going to show up well on that complementary color. Um, whereas if you're doing um, lots of neutrals for your core colors, like say you have like a really light taupe and, and white and like a blush pink, your complementary colors, you would maybe want to go a little bit more dark mm -hmm. um, because you just want to make sure that you're always focusing on contrast because that's what makes it readable and functional. And okay, so then what about then logos? Um, what, how would you recommend that, you know, YouTuber for a branding perspective would get a logo? Um, you can definitely incorporate your logo, um, in a few places on your, on your YouTube, um, namely your, your banner. Mm -hmm. Um, if you want to use it as a watermark, um, if brands are using your videos, you want to make sure your name is always on there. And then in things like your end screen, um, and that's typically a part of your banner design, um, because typically on a banner, you're putting, you know, your name and what you do. Um, and you can kind of repurpose that or tweak that into a logo, mm -hmm. but for YouTube specifically, for like profile pictures, I would stay away from using a logo because it's very impersonal. Yeah. Um, and that's not as much of, of the jive as if it, if you're like a business, you would want to use a logo. But if you're an influencer, then you want to use yourself. But there are some other places that that, that logo would show up, um, the ones that I mentioned a little bit earlier. So would you start, because I know some people, you know, when it comes to branding, they kind of start with the logo and then they kind of build their branding around that, you know, they start with like the colors and the font and the logo, and then the branding revolves around that. Is that kind of the approach that you would recommend to take? Yeah, that's definitely a way to do it. And I think if you're a business and you want to, you know, be really scalable and be able to, you know, create product and, and have that like recognition, it's important to have a logo, but also keep in mind that your logo should serve the, the marketing elements that you want to make and vice versa. So for example, if you have a square logo on YouTube, that's not really going to fit into your banner or your end screen unless it's just a part of a larger picture. Mm -hmm. So you want to be focusing on those things first, your banner design, um, not necessarily creating that before you create your logo, but um, thinking about the format of it and spatially where you want everything to be because your logo should integrate with that really seamlessly and not yeah. just kind of seem like it's stuck on there like a sticker. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if like YouTube, I mean, it's one thing if you have a business and you already have a logo and you're just trying to incorporate it onto your banner, but it's, if, if it's, it's another thing, if you are really just doing YouTube and this is it, you know, no, no point. Like you said, don't put like a, an, a different shaped something logo and then just stick it on there. Really your banner 
should really reflect, I'd say should really, your logo should fit the fact that it's on a banner essentially is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. For YouTube, your banner almost is your logo. It's Mm -hmm. like the most prominent piece of branding Mm -hmm. um, other than your thumbnails. So you need to make sure that that's definitely a focus and not like a secondary thought that you think, you know, oh, I'll just choose one of my colors and stick my logo in the middle and that'll be fine. Definitely. I think that's, that's, that's definitely true. Um, so let's get into some of the questions that people asked on the Facebook group. Um, cause I know we got a lot of questions. Uh, okay. So, um, well, let's see, these are specific questions and you know, what is, what are the best fonts for branding? Um, I don't know that I would like, I don't want to give specific names of fonts because like I said, it's all about standing out and being unique. And so if I say, I want you to use X and Y, then, you know, a bunch of people are going to go out and use those two fonts and then they lose their uniqueness. Mm -hmm. Um, but I would say, um, for female influencers, script fonts are really, really popular right now. And they can be paired with either serif or sans serif. Um, and if you don't know what that means, it's basically like, Times New Roman, for example, is a serif font. So it has all those little feet Mm. at the top and bottom of the letters, whereas Arial is a sans serif font. So it's a little bit more clean and modern looking. So I'd say to pair a sans serif and a script font or a script font and a serif um, and and kind of look at it that way instead of looking for specific ones and see what you like in those categories. Because on most websites that, mm-hmm. you know, have fonts, you can sort by category. Yeah, I was going to ask. So can you like sort by like on Creative Market? Can you sort by like the, te- like you said, the sans serif or whatever you just said? You Can you can you sort by that in Creative Market? Yeah, absolutely. You mm-hmm. can just go to fonts and then there are different categories. Like when you're online shopping and you pick, you know, tops, tank tops. It's kind of similar to that. So then you can see all of the sans serif fonts that they have in one place and just kind of see which ones you like. Gotcha. Uh, another question is what are, and I know you talk, I know a lot of these things you kind of answered, but you know, we can go in, in depth uh, with some of these questions. She said, what are some great apps or good software to invest in when getting serious about branding yourself? Okay. So that is a very loaded question. It depends <laughs> on how much you want you to invest. invest. Yeah. Um, when you're starting out, Canva is honestly amazing. Um, it's a great software because it supports transparency. So you can have like a logo that looks like it's kind of cut out and doesn't have a big white background. Um, and it also will allow you to put in a lot of different file formats. So you can use JPEGs, you can use PNGs, you can use like EPS and AI. So things that you get from, um, maybe like a designer that are from the Adobe suite it will, it will work with all of those. So Canva is a great tool. If you don't, there's not really, unfortunately, like a middle ground, um, either you're using free software, like, you know, PicMonkey and Canva and Pixlr, or you have the Adobe suite, which is kind of the industry standard. Um, and if you're a YouTuber and you're using uh, premiere pro, it's absolutely worth it to just do the subscription and get the Adobe suite because you get so many programs and, um, it's so easy to design, um, when everything is, everything communicates with each other because it's one like parent company, parent program. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, for thumbnails, I'd say Photoshop is really good. And then for, um, design that is, I don't know how to communicate this without explaining uh, raster versus vector. Um, so I'm just going to do that real quick. Okay. Um, something that's raster based is like a photo and that's actually like pixels. So if you blow it up too much, you'll be able to see the pixels. Hmm. Um, and so Photoshop is a raster based application, which means it works really well with photos. Um, so that's great for thumbnails. But if you are thinking about like logos, you want to create your logo in a vector format. And a vector um, image is based on mathematical equations instead of pixels. So when you scale it, it actually just updates that mathematical equation. You don't have to do any math. Don't worry. Um, The program does it for you, but then you can scale and and change it and repurpose it for other things. And it, it won't become distorted in any way. And that's like what Adobe Illustrator is. So for like logo design, um, things that don't involve pictures, I would recommend Illustrator. But, you know, Adobe's gotten pretty savvy that people kind of want both in both. Mm -hmm. So 
Photoshop deals mostly with like pictures and, and raster images, but you can do some vector stuff and vice versa in Illustrator. You can use pictures. Gotcha. Or, or you hire, hire someone like yourself to do the logo. Which <laughs> 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 is what I did. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. Somebody else can do that. But from a, you know, but from a, and really, cause you know, most people, um, I think a lot of people are pretty savvy if they're going to get a logo, you know, either they'll keep it really simple and just pick their font and write their name and their banner, or if they're going to get a logo, they'll hire somebody to do it. But when it comes to, to uh, thumbnail, I mean, most people just do it themselves. So if they, if someone is looking to kind of invest in more of a, I'd say higher end, uh, higher end software other than Canva or PicMonkey, it would probably be Photoshop. Photoshop yeah. and Illustrator both work really well for that, depending on how, like, picture-based your thumbnails are. Illustrator's a little bit easier to get some like more animated elements in there if you're mm -hmm. like really going all in on your design. Mm -hmm. um, but they both work really well. And so I know you really recommended Canva as a free software, but do you feel it's, it's much better than PicMonkey or some of the other kind of low low budget uh, online softwares for, uh, for graphic design? Um, I think Canva has if you're on a budget, it has more features in the free version um, mm -hmm. than like PicMonkey does. Um, I mentioned briefly earlier Pixlr. Yeah. Um, and it's basically, it's P-I-X-L-R, I believe. And it's kind of like a web version of Photoshop. So it has some of the same Photoshop tools. It's obviously not as in-depth, but that's actually also a really great software for like photo manipulation. Um, so I I would say Pixlr and Canva, if you can use them, you know, together, um, those are really great softwares for thumbnails. Awesome. Well, that's, yeah, that was a lot of great, great information. Uh, what are some major mistakes that influencers make when branding themselves on social media? Um, I'd say the biggest one, like I touched on earlier is not being unique and mm. just kind of creating their brand based on what they see the big influencers doing. Mm -hmm. Um, like I love, you know, Zoella too. But if you do branding just like Zoella's, you know, she's got 9 million subscribers. People see that branding. They're not going to think of you. They're going to think of her. Mm -hmm. Um, and with that, even if you are, you know, paying, um, somebody to create your branding, you want to make sure that you're, you're not using, okay. I might, I might get some flack for this, but I'm <laughs> a huge fan of websites like Fiverr, mm -hmm. um, because people that work on there, it is less expensive um, than some professional designers, but they have such a volume of work in order to make that yeah. money because it is less expensive, but they use the same elements and the same like format. And mm -hmm. it's almost like a template that they use over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, and the same can be true for like logo packs on creative market. Um, if you're going to invest $30, you're, you're better off finding someone that's going to create it from scratch for you rather than like buying, you know, a pack of something and then just putting in your own text. Yeah, I, I agree. If, if you're going to do, cause here's the thing as a, as a, you know, coming from, from, you know, you know, my, my perspective as a YouTuber, having a logo isn't a necessity. Uh, mm -hmm. I think having a text that, um, uh, fonts, I mean, that, that are your signature and colors is more important than having a logo. Because like you said, you can just have a channel banner with your name on it and, you know, you can create a nice channel banner, uh, and it doesn't have to be like a, like a, like an actual logo. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's like, I, I think you're better off instead of, you know, maybe creating a logo or spending money on creating a logo is like really fine tuning the fonts and colors and doing a channel banner. And, you know, maybe you could, you know, I know you do that, Megan, and, you know, you have someone like Megan to do that for you and help you figure it out for you. Or, you know, if you're a DIY, then, you know, doing it yourself somehow, um, doing it to yourself, but I'd say focusing on kind of a, a channel banner over like, you know, going to Fiverr and getting a logo or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I actually, um, this is a problem that I see over and over again, that people are, are getting banners that look exactly the same and they're paying mm -hmm. for them. And I just like, it makes me sad because obviously if you're willing to invest in your brand, you should get that value out of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm actually in the process of creating, um, like a, a DIY banner kit. Oh, cool. Which will literally be like, everything will be pre-sized, but it'll be like a few hundred elements of like 
backgrounds and logo elements and like sizing guides and stuff Mm. so that if you want to DIY it inexpensively, I think you should be able to do that and have it not come out looking exactly the same because somebody only spent, you know, 10 minutes on it. That's really, really cool. That's awesome. So stay tuned if you're, if you're interested. Yes. And, um, that'll be on your website. It will. Yes. I'm hoping to launch it very soon, like within the next week. Okay. Okay. Well then by the time this is up, then that, that should be up there. So I'll put the links for that in the show notes and in the email newsletter and Facebook group or wherever, you know, wherever you guys hang out with uh, the YouTube power (laughs) hour. So you'll, you'll have the links for that. Uh, let's see some other, um, some other questions. Uh, you've already answered this. How can you make your brand stand out? I think you already answered it. Unless you have anything else to add to that. No, I mean, this is going to sound super cheesy, but just be true to yourself. Don't copy mm-hmm. somebody else. Just do do what you would click on if you were trying to find information that you are giving to your audience, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's good. And then what about like the actual video? Like, you know, what elements of the video itself do you think contribute to the branding? Um, well, I touched on this earlier, but your background should definitely reflect your branding as far as your branding colors. Mm -hmm. I'm a graphic designer, so I am a nerd about this stuff. So I go really far with that. Like in my YouTube videos, I literally have a banner that I like hand painted that says be kind on it. And it's Mm -hmm. in my branded fonts, but you don't need to go that (laughs) far. Um, How did you, you painted it yourself? Yeah. (laughs) So so did you print it out first? That's a cool DIY. You should do a a YouTube video on how you did that. (laughs) I actually have one up on my channel. Oh, well, Um, then we are linking it. That's super cool because I bet you there's people listening be like, oh, wait, that's a good idea. I want to do that. I think that's really cool. It's just a a cool, fun way to make it like cohesive and kind of bring it in. People aren't necessarily going to look at it and notice like, oh my gosh, that's her brand. But it just creates this this visual cohesion across everything. But but, you know, apart from actually putting your fonts up in your background, just choosing um, things that are the colors that you've chosen for your brand. Um, if you have a backdrop or if you're sitting, you know, at a desk and there's some like knickknacks on your desk or there's a, a picture or a gallery wall behind you, um, incorporating those colors and those key um like brand images, like, like I said earlier with plants, incorporating those in your background as well. I think that's a really, really good tip. And it's something I don't think people think about, you know, when you, and a lot of people on that listen to this podcast, and I know you are Megan, very familiar with, um, Eileen from Lavender. Oh yes. Yeah. One of the things I think that makes, I mean, her channel is amazing, but she's so good at like the aesthetics. Oh, it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. And you know, uh, for those of you listening, um, Eileen was one of our guest uh, industry speakers in the the last bootcamp. So she went in and answered everyone's questions and all that. But I've always admired like the way she really has kept her branding throughout uh, throughout everything. And it's, and it's like subtle things that you don't think of. Everyone thinks, oh yes, my, you know, a logo. Oh yes. Uh, my channel banner. Oh yeah. You know, but there's, there's subtle things like exactly what you talked about, Megan, like your background, like where you're sitting, like what's behind you visually, uh, when people are watching your videos. And I think she, she's tapped into that also. Yeah. And I think something else that she does really well, um, is she makes her background very personable. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like backdrops are really popular and they're, they're easy. And especially if you're like a, a makeup person, they can be really good because you want to be focusing on what you're doing. But other than that, if you're doing any kind of lifestyle thing, people crave authenticity. That is the mm-hmm. biggest thing that is winning out on YouTube right now, in my opinion, is authenticity. And mm-hmm. so I think having a lifestyle kind of background that also incorporates your brand, but in a less like corporate almost way is a really great way to get your branding across, but still come across as a a very relatable person that somebody would want to, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee with. And that will keep people watching your videos. Yeah. And, and that's a good point too. So you're more of a fan from a branding perspective of having a lifestyle background, like a bedroom or something, as opposed to a backdrop. Yeah, I think, um, it's more personal and it, it shows a little bit more effort. Mm -hmm. Um, because you don't, it's not like you just, you know, put up, um, you, you really have to curate your items and, and what you have in that background. And I think that speaks a lot to who you are and the effort that you're putting into your channel. Mm-hmm. Backdrops can be beautiful. And when used correctly, like they're great and I'm a fan, but in general, if somebody's just, you know, slapping up a backdrop, I almost feel like it's 
it's corporate. Like I said, and I, mm-hmm. I get this sense of that, that I'm being sold to. Because mm. it's like when you watch a commercial and they're in front of like the white background, it just, mm-hmm. it, it sparks that um, comparison for me. That's very interesting. Yeah, I, I do think, I'm thinking about like some YouTubers that do use a background well. And I would say, like, I think of like Nikki Tutorials, right? She oh, always yeah. uses a backdrop, but she's a huge YouTuber and she has so many different back, backdrops. So, and mm-hmm. I think what happens, I think the mistake that people end up making is that they'll get a backdrop, you know, one, maybe two, and then they stick with it. And then they think, well, that backdrop is my my branding. But what ends up happening is I think it just ends up getting kind of, I mean, I think it depends. I think for beauty videos, like people that are applying makeup, I think it is sometimes good to have a very just plain background because you really yeah. want the focus on the face and the colors and everything. So that's okay. But I think for some people Absolutely. when they do it with every single type of video, especially if it's more of a lifestyle one where maybe you're chit-chatting or you're talking or you're talking about products, I think that's where it it, it would be much more appealing to the eye to have just a nice lifestyle background. Yeah. And it's kind of a gray area as well, because it's like for Nikki tutorials, those backdrops are a part of her brand. Mm -hmm. And I think for a lot of really big YouTubers, that is the case. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, when you're a little bit smaller, it it just seems a little bit counterfeit. Like you're, you're Mm -hmm. trying to trying too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're trying to be Nikki tutorials, but like you said, with makeup, it's, it makes absolute sense because you want your focus to be on, on your face. So makeup's a whole different story as far as that goes. Yeah. Other places as well on your, like in your videos that you can display your branding, like your, your lower thirds, any animated elements that you have that, you know, you'll see the little button that like comes in flying from the Mm -hmm. side and says subscribe or like, or here are my social handles. Um, and also your, if you have an animated intro of any kind, mm-hmm. um, that can display your branding, a watermark, um, your end screen. Yeah, definitely. And that's uh, also something that I, I like go into into depth with my, my guide that I created is there's a whole section on where your branding should show up, um, in your YouTube channel. So it's free. If anybody wants it, I think it's a a good resource. Yes, definitely. We're going to put the links for that in the show notes and everywhere else too, in case you guys missed, um, the, the web address for that. So I think that's, what's the name of that guide again? Uh, it's the ultimate guide to branding your YouTube channel, how to stand out and get views. Sounds amazing. That's a free guide. Yes, it is. Yeah, amazing. it's free on my website. Yes. So Megan has created that for you guys. So I think that's amazing. So definitely check that out. But I want to go back and talk a little bit about some of those elements, like the lower third and all that. And I did get a question in the Facebook group, kind of like about that. Um, the best place to purchase graphic packs and that sort of thing. Like for, I'd say maybe your your YouTube videos or something like that. Would it still yeah. be creative market? Um. For some things and not for others. Creative mm-hmm. Market is really great for fonts and for um, like vector images. If there's like uh, like a watercolor floral that you want to include um, and things like that, Creative Market is great. But actually for animated elements, I think a really great resource for that is um, it's called Motion Array. Um, and I can send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. But it's a okay. membership. Um, I believe it's like $15 per month, mm-hmm. but you get four downloads, which honestly you probably only need four things. So like when I, um, recommend it to people, you know, I'll say, you know, you can have the membership for one month, pay the $15, download your four things and then cancel it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that would be good for, for your, your videos. Yeah. For like all of your lower thirds and any mm-hmm. kind of animated elements you have, it's mm-hmm. great for that. And like call outs. Um, where if you want to have like some text that pops up that, you know, points to a certain product or, or something, um, that's animated, it's great for that as well. And this is like a super beginner question. So you're able to then say you decide that you buy it, you want a font and you purchase it. Um, you're able to incorporate that unique font into those, those graphic packs. Yes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. As as long as you download it to your computer, um, Mm -hmm. I'm most familiar with Adobe, but I'm sure it's the same in like Final Cut. And I know it is the same in iMovie. If it's downloaded mm-hmm. to your computer, you can use it like you would any other font. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the same thing with the, um, with those kind of animated packs, you're able to, um, kind of drag and drop and, and change different things in them, colors and, and text. Um, but you can do that, um, within whatever program you're editing in. 
That's very, I think that's very cool. Um, I do want to go back a little bit because I feel like there is a little bit more we can talk about there. And I think this is really unique because I don't think a lot of people talk about this. But when you're talking about your backdrop, I think that's really cool. I think you were starting to say, and I interrupted you about the the painting, but you you, you were starting to say how, you know, you painted something in your, in your font colors. What else about your background do you think contributes to your branding? So for me personally, um, my YouTube channel is about affordable and ethical lifestyle. So I, I talk a lot about sustainability and like DIYs that you can upcycle and um, thrift stores. And so it's very like, earth-based, but it's also very positive. So two of the core colors in my branding are like a mustard yellow and like a light green. And so in order to incorporate those, I actually have a clothing rack. Um, that's like a wooden Mm -hmm. one from Amazon. Um, that's in my background that I put like whatever clothing currently is inspiring me. I have a lot of yellow, like mustard yellow. You do. I know. I'm so funny. Yeah. All your clothes um, are yellow. It's so cute. <laughs> and so I'll, I'll hang those up and it's nice because it's, it's a familiar background. So mm-hmm. when people see it in thumbnails, they, they realize that it's, they're my videos, but it's, I can change them out so it doesn't get boring. Um, and then I also have, um, like a plant, um, behind me because like my channel is very like earthy, but it's on a stool that I DIY'd in one of my videos. Mm-hmm. Um, so so incorporating those DIY elements as well. And then, you know, the thrifted, some of the clothes on the clothes rack, people will recognize from, from past videos. And then that banner where I picked, you know, be kind because that's a a core message behind each other, be kind to the planet. Mm -hmm. Um, and I painted that in my font. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's just, I like to think at least that it's pretty cohesive with my branding without being really obvious and in your face. I love that. I think that's a really, I think it's so, it's a great, wonderful, subtle way to have branding. And there's a lot of thought behind it. I know, uh, I'm sure for you, every, and this is how it should be for every YouTube creator, because that space behind you is really important to the viewer experience. And I think, though, I don't think people put enough thought into it. And um, it's not just about you and what you're saying, but it's also YouTube is very much a visual platform. And I think sometimes people forget that. I think they think it's, you know, oh, I'm going to put this content out there or whatever, but it's very visual. And the backdrop is something that like you've done, you can uh, create it so that it encompasses your branding, like your message, like your niche, like through kind of, like you said, curated collection of things and items that represent it. So like you said, the words that you use is indicative of your part of your brand message. The fact that it's plants is very indicative. The fact that you talk about, uh, you know, sustainable living. And then like you said, the clothing, I mean, there's so much thought into it, but I know when I watch your channel, like, it's like you, 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 people subconsciously pick those things out and it really solidifies your message and what you're doing on YouTube. Yeah. And, and for me, like my channel is, is itty bitty graphic design is, is my bread and butter, but I love my channel, but it's very small, but Mm -hmm. I get a lot of people that, that tell me your videos look so much more professional than I would think for somebody, you know, of your following. And I think it's because I think every single item that you show in your videos should be purposeful. That actually brings up a really good point that I just thought about because one of the really cool things that happened to you with your YouTube channel during the bootcamp, I think has a lot to do with the fact that your videos do look professional. Like you said, I mean, how many subscribers are you at right now? Around 1,500. Yeah. So you're, at, you know, you at 1,500, I think you hit around, I think you hit the 1,000 mark during the boot camp. I can't remember exactly I where did, you, yeah. you I did. Yeah. I think I started the boot camp with like 500 subscribers and like my community is small, but they're so engaged and so like purchase loyal. And I just, they're so sweet and I love them so much. <laughs> and I think, and so what's really cool is that during the boot camp, I think right after maybe you had hit 1,000 subscribers, you received a really cool brand opportunity. Can you share about that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, because I do, you know, affordable and ethical lifestyle, I had um, heard of this company called Brandless and their whole 
brand model is that everything on their website is $3. It's like kind of a grocery personal care brand. Um, but it's a lot of it is organic, non-GMO, fair trade. Um, and so I thought, you know, that's affordable. It's ethical. That would be a really interesting thing to do a video about. So I created a video. I, you know, placed an order with my own money and, and just decided to, to review them. And for some reason that video took off more than a lot of the videos on my channel. And I think it was around when it had like 10,000 views that Brandless actually saw it and reached out to me. Um, and they wanted to know if they could use it for some advertising that they were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ended up actually being in a national TV commercial, which is crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> because, you know, it's a video that I uploaded to YouTube as a teeny tiny little creator. And like now, like people text me like at least once a week. I just saw you on TV. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and they said that they really liked my content because it was, it was very professional and it was the quality and the the look was there to where they felt like they could put it on TV. Mm-hmm. And it's like a few seconds, but that opened up more opportunities for me to work with them in the future. So once I had, you know, kind of done that with them and their commercial was running and they were using it for some social media advertising as well. Um, I put together a media kit, um, and put together this media kit with some statistics and like some sales that I had made from affiliate links and, and all of that on a little bit about my channel and why it was a good fit with them. Um, and basically said, if you ever want to work together again, here's some information about me. Um, I really enjoy this partnership. And so they came back to me a few months later and said, we are launching um, a clean beauty line. Everything's $3. It's mostly like skincare. Um, and we want you to be our face on YouTube. And so even though I was small because that quality was there and because I had worked so hard on making sure that my branding was really clean, I had this media kit that looked very professional, um, that turned into a paid sponsorship opportunity, which, you know, at 1500 subscribers is, is a great deal. And it was cool that I got to talk about something that I was so passionate about. Um, and I think that's the case with a lot of brands now that, um, they have big social followings. And so obviously they do a lot of partnerships with influencers that are really big, that have that reach that can get their product out there. Mm -hmm. But there's this second kind of emerging partnership between brand and influencer that is based on quality because Mm -hmm. they know that they have the reach. So they'll work with a small influencer whose quality is really high because they can then repurpose that video and push it out to their mm-hmm. own social followers. And I think that's a relatively new thing, but it's a really cool um, trend that's happening. And like, I've done a couple partnerships with companies now that that have said, you know, your stuff is professional. Mm-hmm. Like we want to work with you, even though you're small. Yeah. And, you know, I would also want to add too one of the things that you and I worked on in the boot camp, especially when we first started working together, is your niche. And the more refined your niche is, the more a brand uh, is able to connect because you're able to distinguish yourself from all the other uh, YouTubers out there too. Yeah. And especially brands whose whose niche aligns with yours. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so much easier to get a foot in the door yep. when you know that they have similar goals to you and vice versa. So for me, I work with a lot of companies who give back in some way. Mm-hmm. So I've worked with Causebox, who um, is a lifestyle subscription box for women, or they buy products from women who are artisans, but are in like underprivileged areas. And so that creates jobs. Mm -hmm. Or um, I worked with an essential oil company that donates a portion of their proceeds to stop human trafficking. Mm -hmm. And so for me, really niching down, which the boot camp was so helpful in doing because, you know, I didn't really have an idea. I was doing lifestyle and it was like emzotic. I was, I was doing some makeup, even though. Yeah, I remember. I was like, what are you doing makeup? (laughs) Don't do that. It it wasn't my thing. Like I enjoy putting on makeup and I like talking about cruelty-free products, but Mm -hmm. I am not a makeup artist Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. So being in the boot camp really helped me to niche down and figure out what I was actually passionate about, which led to some brand partnerships. And that's not my main focus, obviously, especially since YouTube is, is, you know, a a side thing for me to graphic design, but, um, just being able to be in that space where I'm very plugged into this community is really rewarding. And I don't think I would have had that without the bootcamp. So thank you. Well, well, thank you. I mean, you've, yeah, it's, it's really, it was really cool to see that brand opportunity. And one of the things that 
you know, I think you guys listening all need to take away, because this is one of the things that I, I teach in the boot camp, and I'm, I'm big on this, is I always say, you know, act as if you already have 100,000 YouTube subscribers, right? Create your content in a way that's, that looks good and looks professional, because brands are, are looking for that. I mean, in the case with Megan, she, she didn't have, you didn't have a lot of, I mean, you had, you hit a certain point of views and I think a lot of things have to happen. Like you said, you have to be, um, you, it just aesthetically has to look very good. You have to look professional so that this brand feels good about, uh, showcasing your content. Also, you, you picked a brand that wasn't crazy popular, right? So there weren't a million videos out there about it. And it also aligns very much with your niche. And so these things all came together and got you some amazing opportunities. And this is kind of like the beauty of the whole micro influencer world too, that don't think just because you're small, you know, you don't, um, I mean, I'm not, a bit, I'm not, I don't always, and, and people that listen to me and those of you that, you know, are diehard uh, listeners to this podcast and the community, you know, that I don't advocate, you know, going after brand deals when you're small, that your focus hundred percent needs to be on creating really good content and really figuring out your niche and your audience. And as a result, the brands come to you and I see it all the time. And Megan is a huge testament to that. You focus on your content and then the brands come to you. I mean, you didn't go after them. You didn't go, you, you didn't go and say, Hey, I want to do a brand there. They, they came to you. Yeah. I've, I've never been the one to approach any brand that I've worked with. They've always come to me because my focus has been on my quality. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, then you get an email that says, Hey, we found your stuff. We can't believe, you know, you're doing X, Y, and Z right. And like, we want to work with you. So I think that's absolutely, you know, when you're small and you're sending out emails, it's probably not going to get you mm-hmm. where you want to go. You need to focus on your quality. And then it's nice to have something like a media kit. If yeah. People when you're ready ask for it. Exactly. It should not be a focus. And Personally, I don't think it should be something that you're like kind of doing cold calls and emailing it out to places. I 100% agree to you. I mean, if you're, if, and if you're big, right? If you're at a certain size, then yeah, you can do that yourself. But I would actually recommend getting somebody, a manager, salon. I know a lot of people have their, their spouse or their mother or somebody handle that for them or sibling, uh, because your, your, your job at any size whether at your size, Megan, or you're at someone who's got half a million subscribers, you know, um, your job is to create really good content. And that goes with understanding kind of your branding and the aesthetic and all that. Um, your job isn't to go out and be your own manager and trying to find yourself deals because that's energy that's spent that you're not spending doing what you should be doing, which is creating the content that's going to attract the brands anyways. And I think it's a really good lesson. And I think that's, I mean, I was so proud of you when that happened. And but things I wasn't surprised. I knew it. I mean, I knew it because you, you know, part of your superpower is branding and you understand that. But for everybody listening, there's lots of things that you can do to make your video look, you know, very quality. And what we're focusing on in this episode is your branding, but branding goes beyond your fonts and all that. I think that makes a difference, but branding also includes what you're wearing, like your, um, what's behind you, all, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like even, and I just think about it, even what you wear matches your background. And I don't know if that's on purpose or not, or that just happened it to is. be. Oh, it is. Okay. I had to figure it out. I, I figured it was. <laughs> but um, I think that's, I think that's very, very cool. And um, do you have any, like a couple, any, you know, one or more other tips about like your, your background or what's behind you that people could take away from? Um, let me see. As far as, as background goes, mm-hmm. Um, some like really technical tips, um, make sure it's bright. If you have the capacity to paint your wall white, absolutely do it because it makes a big difference in making your other branding elements, your, you know, knickknacks, your posters, Mm. whatever you have back there, it makes them stand out by contrast. Contrast is key when it comes to design. Um, and also make sure that it's not overwhelming. Your, your background should complement who you are as a brand, but it shouldn't at any point distract from what you're saying because you're on YouTube to provide value to your audience. And if you're giving, you know, 
five tips on how to thrift shop for back to school. And all somebody can look at is the cuckoo clock that's behind you. That's like going crazy. Like that's not, (laughs) that's not providing value to them and it's not Mm going to get you return viewers. But exactly. But I do want to add though, for some people, some people have these kind of wacky personalities or they're all over the place. And then they have, I feel like they have things like in the background and of course, I can't think of anybody right now, but they have things that kind of represent that personality, like bright colors and maybe like, I don't want to say cuckoo clock that's making a lot of noise, but there's like wacky, weird things in the background that kind of match that type of energy and personality. Yeah. Something you learn when you're like going to school for design is that the human eye is is trained to see motion. So mm-hmm. I think as long as there's no motion mm-hmm. and then secondarily sound mm-hmm. to your background, um, you know, you can, you can be more creative with it. But the second something's moving back there, that's where people, people's eyes are going to go. Yeah. That's why I feel like whenever anybody has like a pet or something in the background, <laughs> they're always like commenting on like, oh, look, there's a cat, you know? <laughs> Unless that pet <clears throat> is a part of your branding. Like you're like exotic. Yeah. And it's, or even a little bit more subtly, like you look at someone like Kristen Johns, who I'm a huge fan of, and like her two dogs are a huge part of her channel. And mm. so when they are in her videos, it makes sense. Mm. Well, I love that. I thought you gave so much cool information. I'm branding is something that comes up time and time again. And so I think it's amazing that you created a free guide for the listeners. Um, can you direct people where they find that? Yeah, absolutely. So you can go to my website, which is meganacuna.com, just M-E-G-A-N-A-C-U-N-A.com slash branding guide. Um, And it's a free resource for you because I just want to empower you to to create the brand that you want to create and and to make a difference because I think it's so powerful when you're in touch with your why, like Erica helps us be in (laughs) touch with and and you know your niche. Um, I think that can just really take you to the next level. So you can get that for free uh, at that address. Awesome. And I'll have the links in all the show notes. And also you do work with influencers if they want more of like a, a customized approach also. Yeah. Like I said, my focus is on, on giving that to people affordably and empowering them to be able to afford that kind of a service. Um, so I do have a whole page on my website. You're also welcome to contact me if there's something that's not on there that you think you might need help with. Um, I'm, I love working with influencers. I love working with people who are passionate about what they're doing. And so I'm able to like give very affordable rates because I love it. And it's just my life's passion. So I'd love to work with you. Yeah. I mean, you did some really beautiful um, channel banners and stuff for, for some of the boot campers. So um, I'm, I'm impressed with your work. I think it looks great. I think you have some samples of that on your website too, right? Yes. Yeah. My portfolio okay. is there as well. Okay. Awesome. So if you need any design help, Go to Megan. She's great. She's my person. And I think that's it. Thank you so much for this, Megan. You gave some awesome tips. Thank you so much for having me. Okay. Bye. Bye. Well, there you go. That is our interview. And if you enjoy this, please give the podcast a review. It helps so, so much. I will see you next week. Mwah.